anytime I have a really big, beautiful dream, something that I really want to have happen, it's usually linked back to a major grief in my life or something that I've experienced. Um, rejections, uh, bullying, like any of those things that were hard kind of just stirred up this real passion for, um, I don't want that to happen to other people. Uh-huh. And I want to be really kind to myself that and, and take responsibility for how do I want it to be different now? Who do I want to be with now? Welcome to the podcast, Share Your Story, Exploring Humanity One Heart at a Time. I am your host, Jenny Diltz, and I help people convert their grief into growth in their own way and in their own time. This is a podcast where we dive deeply into the stories that make us who we are and show us who we can become. Together, we share real-life experiences of growth through our grief. I can be found at grievingcoach.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss exclusive interviews and some of my own tidbits and insights on grief. Welcome, everyone. Today, I have with me an amazing woman, Christy Byerly who is the founder and CEO of Awaken Coach Institute. At Awaken, Christy's coaching process motivates you to build a community of empathy and grace around you and to live your mission as part of something bigger than you are. Christy has trained hundreds of new coaches in French and English since 2014 and has mentored dozens of coaches in training. She maintains a thriving coaching practice and has been coaching professionally since 2009 after graduating from the International Coach Academy. Christy holds a Master NLP certificate, as well as certifications in spiritual direction, group coaching, depth coaching, Enneagram work, and mentor coaching. She is a certified Daring Greatly facilitator. Married to Ben, she is the mom of three young people and lives in Alsace on the French, Swiss, and German borders. Christy, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for inviting me. It's really good to be with you, Jenny. I'm so excited. And I love the work you do as the coach and the principles that not only you embrace for yourself, but also that you teach your coaching students. It's beautiful work. As you know, being a coach is a real honor yeah. and sacred privilege. Yeah. Awesome. And so on the Share Your Story podcast, we talk primarily about grief, which is also exciting for me. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm really excited to see how those two interact with each other, um, not only with your own grief experiences, but how you've held space and helped, like how that's influenced you professionally as well. Doing your grief work has influenced you professionally. But before we get into, oh, go ahead. No, I was just thinking, you know, the more emotionally stretched you are in your own life, the the more you can do with clients. Yeah, for sure. You can't ask people to go to places that you haven't gone yeah. yourself, or at least it's, it's risky to do yeah. so. And so it is really important to allow yourself to feel and process and be fully alive. And that really adds a lot to the coaching for sure. I love that. And we'll go into more we'll go into that more in detail later on. But before we get into your story and, and all of the good stuff, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Sure. I mean the easiest way is to go to awakencoachinstitute.com. So um there's little videos of me saying things, welcoming you to Awaken, and um, you can find out about Awaken Coach Institute's courses. We we always have two virtual courses and two in-person courses each year to train people how to coach at depth, and so it's a lot more than a certification. It's really about becoming a, a brave, loving human uh, who's willing to be vulnerable with others in addition to being an excellent coach. So awakencoachinstitute.com. Awesome. And I'll put that in the show notes. Thank you. Um, 
so part of that <clears throat> um, that coaching of being a brave and going into that vulnerable space. How did you get to build a coaching institute for people to do that? I think, you know, it, since this is a grief podcast, it's really apropos because I think the whole thing came out of a lot of pain in my own life. So I would say um, part of the reason that I became a coach was to break free from a pretty coercive, manipulative person in my life and to learn to be myself. And um, when I first studied coaching, it, a lot of it was about um, a forgiveness process. And there was a lot of grief involved in that from the beginning. And so what started happening is as I, as I began coaching people, I was really stunned at how much people would say so quickly. Um, you know, I didn't expect that, like just putting a sign over your head saying I'm a coach and I've studied coaching is going to lead people to feel that they can pour out their whole soul to you. And so it really felt like, oh my gosh, what a huge honor. And, um, and these are stories I'll take to my grave. They're not anything that, you know, I would share with others. And so what happened is I started noticing that people didn't have good listeners in their lives. And that was true in my life too. Like the big things that were important to me, um, my family of origin had no idea how to listen. It was, you know, joking around or sarcasm or interrupting or, you know, just normal, whatever. Um, but then my griefs from childhood and even abuse was not recognized or listened to or paid attention to. And so I, I had to start learning to listen to myself. And when people would come to me and tell me their stories, I started recognizing like sometimes my clients knew each other and yet they were telling me um, the stories that they hadn't told their best friends. And so it really started building in me over the years that I want people to be able to talk with each other in their real lives. So that's how I got first into group coaching. I started running forgiveness groups, um, meditation groups, uh, silent prayer day groups. Um, my first, one of my first programs was called the heroine's quest and it was for women who wanted to be brave with their life. And something magical was, would, would happen in the group setting when I really paid attention to creating space, brave space for community to develop. And so over time, in addition to the groups, I started having this real desire to teach what I saw working. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't taught in the coaching schools. I it, it wasn't taught in the classes that I had taken. It was really my experience of what I saw happening with people. And so I, I just felt this burning desire to start teaching people to listen to each other better. And part of it was because I was so frustrated that people didn't know how to listen to me in my mm. life. And then I saw that it, just a real pattern with people. So um, I was living in Kenya at the time and I started just reaching out to anybody I thought might be interested in starting a coach training school. And I was lucky enough to find someone who was the first PCC coach in all of East Africa. And she also wanted to start a coach training school. And so I ended up joining forces with her, helped with writing the curriculum, developing the course, um, started teaching with her, starting with like her second group that went through. Um, so I learned a ton from her mm -hmm. about business and marketing and succession planning, all kinds of stuff um, 
but the actual coach training was not the kind of training I wanted to do. Okay. Um, because for me, my purpose in life is to create communities of grace, to create these brave spaces where people can be real. And that wasn't even happening in the coaching world necessarily. Mm. And so um, I ended up, one of my griefs was being kicked out of Kenya. And so uh, international transitions are kind of like losing everyone you love all at once, losing your language ability, losing culture, losing all kinds of stuff. Um, and it also gave me an opportunity to strike out on my own. Mm -hmm. So I kept trying to find like, who's smarter than me, who knows more than me, who can like, be a leader and launch big projects. And so I ended up writing coaching curriculum for three other schools before I got frustrated enough to say, none of these is going as deep as I want. None of them are getting to the heart of humanity and who we can be for each other. And so it was at the start of the pandemic that I finally um, found the strength to say, okay, no, I'm going to teach what I want to teach. And it's going to go a lot deeper than what I've seen elsewhere. So it's a bit of the story. That's so amazing. Um, that like so many things come out of that to me like your your growth your strength your purpose has come as a result of your struggles and your grief yes anytime I have a really big beautiful dream something that I really want to have happen it's usually linked back to a major grief in my life or something that I've experienced um, rejections uh bullying like any of those things that were hard kind of just stirred up this real passion for um i don't want that to happen to other people uh-huh and i want to be really kind to myself that and and take responsibility for how do i want it to be different now who do i want to be with now that's incredible um, a lot of times with grief, I see that there are some, like some people don't want to stretch, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's that's where they are. Um, some people want to stay in that victim why me phase mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. of pain. And on the other extreme, there's people like you, where your biggest dreams and your greatest successes come out of those experiences because you I would say it's both and actually okay <laughs> for me I, I I almost feel like the victim stage came a, a very late okay to me but when uh -huh. it did come it was a real powerhouse because I didn't ever I didn't see myself as a victim and I didn't see myself as having been abused and I was really confused for many years about why am I anxious? Why is my body behaving like this? Why do I feel depressed? And um, it actually, I would say the victim stage was a really important like awakening of that shouldn't happen. Um, and being able to, to spend tender time with my younger self or parts of me that had been hurt and say, it's really important to not be the strong, I can take whatever anyone can dish out thing that I've been doing for so many years. Um, so I wouldn't discount the victim phase. It's not a place to park out for life. You know, mm -hmm. get pretty grouchy, I would think, um, staying in it for too long. But I would say there's some there's a place for it and knowing how to befriend sadness and anger and fear 
is a big part of letting it become your powerhouse. Sure. Thank you for clarifying that. That was actually my intention or the meaning behind what I was saying. Uh -huh. Like you don't you don't want to set up camp and and stay in the right. victim place. Well, some people might, and that's okay. That's where they're well, at. They, and it takes choice. as long as it takes too. I mean, it's not it's not like some people are victims, some people are conquerors. It's more to me, at least in my life, it was a journey. I had there was a part of me that needed to go into the victim phase to be able to see the truth mm -hmm. um, just for me anyway. Um, and that might be more relevant in cases of abuse, you know, especially pre-verbal stuff where um, I just didn't recognize that I was a victim. Yeah. And so I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case for everybody who's grieving, but um, certainly in cases where there's been really terrible things that have happened young when your brain doesn't know what's normal, what's okay, it, it can be an important part of the grief and forgiveness journey to mm -hmm. tell the truth and recognize um, the part that was a victim. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that clarification. This is why I love what you do. Because <laughs> it brings in it brings in the yes end. It brings in the both, mm -hmm. like all parts of it. Yeah. Awesome. Um so let's dive into some of those griefs. Grieving experiences that you've had. Um what kinds of when when a lot of people think of grief, they think of death of a loved one. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not the only source of grief. So right. what are some of the other sources of grief that you've experienced in your life? So many. Um, this week, just uh, two days ago, is the sixth anniversary of my dad's passing. So that's very present with me right now, even as we're talking. I can feel grief in my throat, in my heart. Um, just, I don't know, I, w I wouldn't say it feels like a wave of grief like it used to, but it feels like sort of an under undertow of grief, maybe, mm -hmm. that I'm just sort of aware that it's there and recognizing why it would be there on this particular week. Um, and spending some time with it. Um, but there's just been a lot of other kinds of grief too, like um, I think maybe the worst grief that I can remember as far as sudden griefs go, like my dad's death was very sudden and unexpected. And so I think that is kind of a wake-up call was when uh, when I was living in Kenya, one of my dear friends lost her child, um, a one-day-old baby, in my car on the way to the hospital. And then she actually came and lived with me for in my family for weeks while she was grieving. And so that um, that was the beginning of a whole year when several really small babies died in my immediate vicinity. So my friend's baby in my car and then my next door neighbor's baby across the hall and then another baby immediately downstairs from us. And my own kids started, you know, I, I think I was probably freaked out and like, oh, it's just all around, you know so overwhelming and um and it was the first time in my life i had experienced so many young deaths mm -hmm. um i think before that it had just been like my grandmother not that a grandmother's not a big deal but it's sort of expected that older people are going to pass on um and you can kind of see it coming so there was there was something about those really young deaths that um and it's so 
so just out there in the open in Kenya too. I mean, they talk about the body. Um, once a person has died, they, t- they don't talk about it as in the same way that we might in the United States. It's it's always called the body, and you'd go to the you'd go to the um, mortuary to collect your body, and you'd be watching bodies going out in trucks and stuff, and you're waiting for your body to come out in the casket and so just a just very uh surreal intercultural experiences with grief that or i think are just made a little bit more confusing or poignant when you're in a different culture Mm -hmm. um and even my dad dying really suddenly in kenya after we had we had left um and so i was kind of considered you know a strong person with kenyan cultural experience and so i could lead the charge in bargaining for his coffin on the street which was a whole <laughs> just kind of a zooey situation with crowds of people with coffins coming around me and uh not to be back a bray here but um, I think I'm I'm away from it long enough I can laugh, but there's this one person trying to convince me to buy this one. I said, I think that one is a little bit small for my dad. My dad was almost six feet tall, and the guy came over and pushed down on my head, and he says, we'll make him fit. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, this is one for the books. Like, <laughs> this is a different culture here. That's really going to convince me. That's <laughs> awesome. Is the right <laughs> Just take off his shoes. He'll push down his head. I'm like, okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so these silly things happen. Um, yeah, so there's that. And then there's griefs that happen um, from moving countries. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the United States and moved to France 20 years ago. And so that's a a really different kind of grief because it happens um, over such an extended period. Um, So I left the United States in 2002. So that's more than 20 years ago. And when I left, I was coming back to the States after a two-year contract. So I kept, kept my house, you know, kept the furniture, rented it out. We were coming back two years later. But then we stayed away three years. And then we moved to Kenya and stayed there 11 years. And then, you know, over the course of all those happenings, we had three kids uh, with special needs. And so then we're like overseas and I've got my oldest with autism. And I'm like, hmm. I don't think, I mean, she can't get a visa to live in Kenya. So at some point, she's going to need to move back to a place where she has a passport, which would be America. And I just, like, you could kind of see it looming in the distance that at some point we're going to need to leave Kenya. Um, as it happened, I was able to get my Italian citizenship um recognized after four years of paperwork and it was really important to me to be able to keep my family together on the same continent Mm -hmm. especially with special needs um but just that 20 21 years later i've just had a lot of loneliness especially during covid where it's like wait a second i'm not american anymore Mm. um I'm not French, I'm not Kenyan, I'm not Canadian. My kids don't know, like they can't answer where are you from questions. Um, But they certainly have no interest in living in America because none of them has ever spent more than a few weeks there. And so all of a sudden, I I don't even know why I say all of a sudden, but it's like a dawning realization of like, I don't think I'm going back my kids are not americans and so this there's a grief of the imagination that 
okay, one day I'll turn 65, I'll retire, I'll go back to the United States, I'll live on Cape Cod, my sisters will be near me, and um, most likely not. Mm. And, and it doesn't feel like I ever made a conscious choice. It's just this is the way things have progressed over 20 years. And so it's like, I, I don't know if it's grief or regret or just nostalgia for all the alternate universes that <laughs> could have been uh -huh. and aren't. Um, yeah. But yeah, just how certain choices lead to other choices lead to like, okay, I'm living, I'm living in France and I don't know, I don't know if I'll go home, whatever home means. So finding home inside instead of outside has been a big part of the grief journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say yes. grief for you. I could go on, but <laughs> <laughs> yes. <clears throat> I would say yes yeah. and to all of it, to the to the grief, the nostalgia, the regret, the, oh, wait, this isn't what I was planning. This isn't okay. what I was expecting. Yeah. This is a different, okay, now what? <laughs> I think. I think a lot of that falls under the grief umbrella. Yeah. And like you said, in a, like in addition to the grief, the the nostalgia, the regret, the hmm, the realization of oh, okay, it's not what I was expecting. Confusion, rage. There was certainly some victim mentality on yeah. all counts. Um, blaming other people, you name it. It was part of the journey. Yeah. I definitely common in with grief. Like all mm -hmm. of all of those emotions, even the oh, maybe this isn't so bad. Oh, look at mm -hmm. what came from the choices that I did make or the the things that the way it has transpired. Huh. Okay. We can we can work with this. I think all of that Well and just to say too that in, in a family it's also you know, people are grieving at different speeds and realizations and so it can be a little challenging because I might be at, at a victim stage when other people are feeling euphoric and then I might be at a like, oh, wow, we've got a lot to be thankful for here. Look how great our lives are. We live in Europe. It's so great. Look how beautiful everything is. And can you believe the fresh, you know, croissants and the chocolates and, you know, right when my kids are about ready to kill somebody because they've <laughs> they're sick of <laughs> whatever doing stuff in French or yeah. being lonely or whatever and so allowing for other people's griefs and for the timing not to necessarily line up mm -hmm. is just another piece of it yeah most definitely and it's it takes an awareness of not only where we're at but also awareness and acceptance of where others are at and how do we hold space for both and, and navigate. This is my, where I'm at, this is where you're at, and this is the space in between. And Especially when it's not pretty, when some, like the kids are blaming the parents for, you know, why did you do this to us? I think one of my, one of my kids, she was reading a, she was reading a novel. I think it was like a lemony snicket thing about how terrible life is or whatever. It was like, at least my parents didn't bring me to another country right when I was in middle school and make me do everything in a foreign language. <laughs> Whatever. It was like, she showed me that page and she's like, 
my parents did that to me. And so, (laughs) you know, you can meet up with anger right when you're in the middle of confusion and doubt and regret and stuff. And it can be really hard to meet those big emotions in another person, especially if it's very blaming or critical right when you're also feeling unsure and crying and having all the feelings. So, yeah. So how did you manage that, like when it was tough in your family and you were also struggling with your own? Hmm. Well, I would just say it got really, it got really awful there for about two years where just all, all family members were getting sick. Um, We had kids throwing up. We had parents like struggling to get out of bed in the morning. Um, It was pretty full on. And so I can't say that we, you know, every, of course we did the best we could. Um, But we had some really rough stuff. I mean, we had just moved countries, just left one work organization, had very shaky financials right when my dad died. And we as parents had no friends. No, like we, we didn't know anyone. It was so out of the blue and just living in a new country in the middle of lots of other stuff going on and so we um yeah we kind of fell apart as if like for a good long period of time Mm -hmm. and so um yeah we uh we are paying counseling bills for all five family members for the foreseeable future (laughs) just you know loving each other through it and i think we've got enough distance now that we can look back and say wow like as parents listening to our kids and be able to hear that as parents we weren't able to give them what they needed during those times while being compassionate to ourselves that yeah we couldn't Mm -hmm. um but you still listen to your kids first and then go cry and (laughs) talk to you talk to our friends later so it's a lot. Wow. What kept you going through that time? Um, it really helped me that I had done two years of intense training with Brene Brown's work. She, um, she was the lifeline for me. I was in, um, There are 45 of us trained as Daring Greatly and Rising Strong facilitators in Europe and Africa. Most of them are in the United States, but there's a a really strong, pretty coherent cluster of us um, overseas. And we we had monthly calls. I also, um, I had created my beloved community groups. And one of them asked me if I would be willing to become part of the group instead of lead the group. And that has been a gift. Um, So I had my people and that's regular monthly calls um, where we're just very, very close. And the principles from Brene Brown were um, a lot of them, but Um, Some of the main ones are finding empathy partners, people you know you can count on Mm -hmm. to show up and listen, being self-compassionate. Some of those griefs just took so much longer and were so much more physically painful than I expected. And it would have been very easy to fall into self-judgment. And that's where I'm really happy that I called you as my grief coach because you were just so understanding and um, kind of recognized the process and were so (laughs) enthusiastic about grief, (laughs) which was very refreshing. Um, And so it really helped to normalize 
how long it takes and how physical it feels. Um, I had no idea, you know, I thought I did because I had worked with a lot of people in grief before, but it's not until you're, you feel like an elephant is standing on your chest most of the time. And you wonder if you're having a heart attack and like, then you're like, Oh yeah, it's not just sadness. It's like, it can be very, very physical, um, stomach aches and headaches and you name it, different family members had different, um, ways that it showed up. Um, and so having self-compassion, having empathy partners, and having that mindset of you can rise strong after a fall if you tell yourself the you know helpful, grace-filled stories mm-hmm. about what's happening, and you find your core values and build from your core values, um, really, really beautiful things can happen. Amazing. Were you able to teach those principles to your family too? Yes. Um, I don't want to tell too many of their stories, but they, you know, there were some really tough times for all of us and and the kids, you know, being teenagers in a new country and um, struggling with panic and fear and sadness and all of that. And, learning learning how to choose who to tell about it was really important mm-hmm. um to not trust your heart with people who don't know how yeah. to listen or be kind and you don't owe anybody your story it's not about oversharing or like being unnecessarily vulnerable with people it's really about choosing wisely Who's earned the right? Like, how do you want to be treated? And tell your story to people who treat you the way you want to be treated. Um, And be very, very tender with your heart and kind to yourself. Um, And I don't know that teenagers, I, I certainly wasn't ready to learn to speak kindly to myself instead of critically to myself. So I think that's still, you know, lifelong learning mm-hmm. especially for the for the kids but um yeah we've been able to talk a lot about empathy and self-compassion and and values and who can you trust how do you know you can trust them who do you pick to share with those have all been really important that's awesome so good that you're not only learning these lessons for yourself but that you're able to teach them as well and they can yeah. learn and practice well, in their own time. It's been tricky for me, too, because I think I have a tendency of wanting to be the, like, wise guru mom who can, like, be there to support the kids. Mm-hmm. And so it was really valuable, too, for me to learn that I could be also, I don't think all of it was good for the kids necessarily, Um but they saw me in some really, really rough times and they're very kind people. And so I feel like I learned through that, that it actually is helpful for my kids to see me weak or Mm -hmm. having a cry or struggling to regulate or taking a nap and, not always being strong because I don't know that that's fair on kids to see their parents being like these superhuman and then they're like well what's wrong with me my parents can handle it all yeah and I think it's good for us to say no we've all got limitations we're all figuring it out um it's I'm showing you it's okay to not be perfect because look at me right now like Mm -hmm. I'm just going to take some time off you know even months of sorry I'm not going to be able to coach for a while I just need to be with me yeah so often in grief especially when um like when kids lose a parent Mm. or a sibling or something the tendency is for their adult people to be strong for them Mm -hmm. and not cry in front of them or to 
try and reassure them and, and be their rock. But like you were saying, I think it's so valuable for our kids to be able to see that, oh, even my parents are weak sometimes. Even they need help sometimes. We're all human. A, we're all exactly. doing this together. Yeah, it's okay to reach out for help. It's more than okay to cry. It's, you know, not that you want to lash out at people, but anger is real. And mm -hmm. if you do screw up, you're a person and you can apologize. And um, if, yeah, you've got all the feelings. So there's none of them that you can, you wouldn't expect in your child too. Yeah. Such a great mom. Ah, why yes. <laughs> oh, learning. Yeah, exactly. And like nobody gets a textbook when they become a mom or a dad or like there are no textbooks. It's, it's a lifetime of learning. Even exactly. if you're, if the kids or the people that you're parenting are not your biological kids. Sure. Taking that adult mentoring person, like adult figure in somebody's life is a huge undertaking and like a forever learning process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Becoming a wise adult. Yeah. You don't get there <laughs> by smooth sailing all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... So we've talked a lot about some of the the challenges that you've experienced in your grief experiences and in in those rocky times. Um, what has helped the most mm -hmm. in your grief? Well, I like I said earlier, I'm really glad I called you because I think reaching out for help is huge. I like it was so confusing and and so just having someone who's been with a lot of people and a lot of different kinds of grief was really helpful to just be like, Oh, it really does hurt this bad. It really is lasting this long. And mm -hmm. just because uh, in some cultures, people don't talk about it or they expect you to bounce back super fast or whatever it is. Um, it was just very validating and, and I think it, it's really important to have those people that you can dump out. Like, you don't have to censor yourself. You don't have to worry about if you're crying too hard or any of that. You can just be like, ah, <laughs> this is what's going on and have it met with um, consideration and kindness and understanding, patience, um, and also some distance and observation, just normalizing. Mm -hmm. I think that was something you really helped me with, Nor normalizing and, and information. You know, some of the graphics that you sent me, it's like, oh, rage, blame, fear, like, ah, yeah, that's all, it's all part of it. Um, I didn't just become a awful person. <laughs> it's like, this is, this is grief. It's all part of that. So, yeah. Yeah. What was most surprising? Hmm. I I really think it's what I was saying earlier that it's actually it's just the beauty of connections and love that happen when you're real with family members, with friends, and just, yeah, being part of the human experience with people is really, really lovely. Mm -hmm. um, there was that uh, poem by Mary Oliver that a lot of people know, Wild Geese. And there's a line in it that says, tell me your despair, and I will tell you mine. And um, and it's all part of the imagery of being part of the family of things. And so that was that was surprising is just the outpouring of 
love from strangers, mm -hmm. from you as a coach, um, what was able to be birthed and created at Awaken. I mean, I just can't can't even believe how lovely the community is, how how people are able to share so openly um, when you when you create a safe container of trust and bravery and uh, ability to mention what's going on. And um, you were laughing when you said earlier that um, when you found me, you were like found somebody who was excited or enthusiastic about grief. That's one of the reasons why I am so passionate and so enthusiastic, excited, hyper even about grief is that um, the connection that can come when we share our grief, when we share our grief experiences, when we lean on each other, when we support each other, when we learn from each other. I, I think there are very few other spaces where that can happen. It's really just being in love with reality, isn't it? Because every one of us will know grief before we're gone. A hundred percent of us, for sure. If you're mm -hmm. any kind of awake, alive, breathing person. Yeah. And so why not be exuberant? Not that you necessarily love every minute of it while it's happening, but you're not going to avoid it. True. You don't have to add suffering to your life unnecessarily by any means. Um, but when it happens, being enthusiastic about being alive and being willing to go toward grief with people can be a joy. And seeing the transformation and the growth and the success, the dreams that can come out of it, the realizations, the learnings, it's so incredible. And I, I don't want to speak for you, but I would imagine that this is what fuels you as a coach, too, is seeing that transformative and that connection with others. Yeah, it's really visceral what happens, especially, you know, with the in-person groups when you can when you can kind of palpably be together in grief um, and with emotions that are just different than you expected. And maybe this goes back to your question about what surprised me. I think there was one point where I felt like my grief was so huge and it was so much bigger than I was and playing around with the size of the grief that it can be, it can be of a manageable size. You can set it on the couch, have a chat with it, cuddle up. Um, and it, it really shocked me to realize like, Oh, in my imagination, grief is bigger than me, but actually, um, you know, when you're with someone and you can chat with it, it's the size and shape of it is really different than I expected. Not nearly as overwhelming. And it was also surprising how just to, to experience how strong emotions move through the body. Because I think some people are so afraid of grief that they keep resisting, resisting, and then it kind of gets overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you are able to just let yourself cry for 90 seconds, you're like, oh, I didn't end up having to cry all day long. It was like twice today for 90 seconds each time. Like, yeah. let me just do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like to think of grief as waves. Mm -hmm. Like even the strongest, most powerful waves or storms, they don't last forever. Mm -hmm. They come in and eventually the storm passes or the wave blows again. And that, I think that's one reason that helps grief feel less of a 
huge, ominous, monstrous cloud for me is because I know that it's just like everything else in life. It's it's fleeting. It comes, it goes, just like all of nature. And it really, when, once you've been through some of it, it makes it so much easier to move toward other people in their grief. Not always, I mean, because we can still get triggered and need to care for ourselves and not, not always go running toward everybody in pain. But um, mm-hmm. but when someone in pain shows up and you've been through it, it's much easier to be like, mm-hmm, I'm here, I'm here with you. Instead of like, I think there's, it's almost like you can put people in the pre-grief and post-grief category where you're just almost like a stunted human being before you've been through it because you, you don't know what it feels like. Not, not that you, you're not trying to be rude or anything, but people do tend to just kind of back slowly away or don't know where to look. And, and, um, it's just so strengthening and reassuring to know yourself as a person who can be okay with other people. And I think that's why the uh, one reason why Awaken is so valuable in what it does in like in building communities where we can express and share and embrace those difficult feelings So that when they come up, again, in ourselves, in others, we can be more accepting, more understanding, more compassionate. And that's not a, not a common taught, commonly taught principle mm-hmm. in society. Yeah, not at all. I'm so surrounded by, by coaches and good listeners and stuff. Now I forget that it's not until... But, you know, occasionally I'll be in, you know, a corporate setting or something where most people aren't coaches. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's a lot of teaching to do out there because <laughs> most people actually just do not know. They don't know how to emotions work mm-hmm. in the body. They don't know what to do with their thoughts and feelings and how to get comfortable with discomfort. And there's just there's a lot left to to teach for <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. One person, one experience at a time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like grief, one one day, one moment, one experience at a time. Mm-hmm. And as we learn, as we have that conversation, we cuddle up with grief on the couch. The next time grief comes to our door and knocks, hey, can I come in? we're that much more likely to accept and to learn from them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of that Rumi poem. This human being is a guest house mm-hmm. and welcoming each emotion, even if they sweep your house clean. I love that poem. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites. And it helps me have a different perspective of, hmm, this really hurts, but maybe it's cleaning me out for something better, for something new. Okay, what do you have to teach me? Mm-hmm. Even in the pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I recognize that in you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh man. Um How has your work with me helped you be a better coaching trainer for the coaches that you serve? Hmm. Yeah, I haven't even thought of it that way um because i've thought about how working with you has helped me in my coaching and as a person um but i'm really excited to bring some of your training about grief 
into awaken because I really think it's such an important part of being human. And um, I would say that my work with you has really helped me, first of all, with boundaries, which is a, maybe a little odd thing to say, but I think um, I think working with you helps me to feel really grounded on the inside, inside of my own home, which is my mm -hmm. body. And, um, and when I experience love for myself from the inside, it really lessens the need to be, um, consoled or receive something from elsewhere, which almost makes paradoxically it easier to receive. It's not that desperation you were talking about. Mm. It's more like um, an ability to receive. So I think it, as a coach trainer, it really impacts um, how it, how we in our community experience ourselves from the inside, how we are together as a community and the boundaries uh, between like, how do I honor me and honor you at the same time mm -hmm. with a lot of um, differentiation and love? That's amazing. I feel like I might be saying jargony words here or something. I don't know <laughs> if I'm expressing myself very well, but. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but there's something about loving yourself and loving others and not getting confused between the two. Mm -hmm. Being able to be connected and be yourself at the yeah. same time, yeah. which is almost like just two sides of the same coin. I see it as like a Venn diagram. We were talking earlier about like on the one side you have you and the other the other circle is the other person and then there is that space in between of the relationship together mm -hmm. yeah and yeah relations and systemic coaching um not to get technical but yeah we call that the third entity where you know person one person two and then the relationship is its living breathing thing and it can be it can be out of grief or pain or come you know experiences shared or different that um can feed this third entity that beauty of the relationship that's cool so many treasures from today from our conversation um, is there anything else you'd like to add to it? I've just really enjoyed being here with you. Um, it's been a little while since we talked, and I just I'm I'm getting re-energized and excited about the possibilities for for love and bravery and community as we build grief coaching more and more into the beauty of what's happening. I'm getting excited about it too. I'm, yeah. I'm, because of some personal changes in my life, I'm needing to prioritize and figure out what's most important. And this keeps coming up as one of those most important tasks of, mm -hmm. of helping not not necessarily just grief education, but helping people, helping service people or support people get familiar and build a relationship with grief so that as they're working with others, they can spread the ripple. And, and hopefully we can have a more 
loving, brave, connected, grief, literate, uh, grief-accepting society as a whole. Well, it just expands the breadth of what you're able to do as a coach and a listener if you can allow for grief to come up in sessions, which it does mm -hmm. regularly, but to not be afraid of it, even to look forward to like, oh, I'm going to really get to be with this person in a really lovely way. Um, yeah, I, I think it's exciting to integrate that. And I hope a lot of coaches learn. Um, I think some, some coaches get a little concerned, like, oh, no, is it going to, am I turning into a counselor or something? But you know what? Grief just happens in life. And we want to, we want to expect it and know how to continue having that forward facing way of, of seeing things. Um, being real, but not getting stuck in the past or, um, and knowing how to be inside um, and, and feel resourced from the inside, even yeah. when things are rough. Yeah. Because like you said earlier, grief happens to 100% of us. Like, regardless of the source, it doesn't have to be just death of a loved one. It can be moving countries. It can be abuse. It can be change of jobs relationships, loss of expectations, identity, like there are so many opportunities for us to learn from grief. Absolutely. And I just love your smile as you say these things, <laughs> right? And, and a lot of people think, it, wait, she's smiling <laughs> and she's excited about grief. This is, <laughs> this is weird. Yes, I'm weird. Um, Bring on like, the weird. <laughs> like we've been talking, though, there's so much. Yes, there's pain. And there's challenges. And there's really tough stuff that comes with grief. And it's that's not all of grief. It's a yes end. There's also beauty and strength and growth and connection. And growth. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that I got to coach with, with you, have you as my coach to walk me through some of that. It it was very confusing at first. And I felt like you just were kind of like pulling out threads slowly, patiently, and and just with a lot of patience and support and no judgment ever. It's really beautiful. Thank you. Well, I know I could keep talking and learning from you forever, but our time is just about up. So for our listeners who would like to learn more about you and Awaken, where can they find you? I would recommend going to awakencoachinstitute.com. And I'm there. And actually, one thing you might want to do when you go to awakencoachinstitute.com, right at the very top, there's... um a freebie where you can get three of our classes with quizzes and secret bonus. Anybody who takes all three free classes, which are really, really rich in depth of listening and metaphors, and um, there's just a lot of really good stuff. And when you get to the end of your third lesson, you get an invitation for a free coaching call with me. So I'm always very interested to see who will make it through all three because then I, I get to meet the person, um, which is always lovely after seeing, you know, the awakenings and things that are happening as they go through the course. Mm. And so um, awakencoachinstitute.com right at the beginning, get your free course if you'd like to learn more about listening well and playing with metaphors and some other really fun stuff in there. And maybe we'll even get to meet. Fantastic. It's such an honor to be with you, to coach with you, to learn from you. Such an honor for me too, Jenny. Yeah, you're an amazing coach. Thank you.
takes more than the one. And even <laughs> even coaches need their coaches. Absolutely. So for all of you coaches out there, remember that. Find your coaches. And for all of you who are not coaches, try Christy's three-course, three Three, three free, three free courses. Three free courses. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Can you say three and free together? Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, check check out Christy's free offering and be sure to do all three so you can have that session with Christy. It will be valuable, valuable, valuable time. Um, so yeah, that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening to or watching this episode of Share Your Story, Exploring Humanity One Heart at a Time. As you know, this is a podcast where we share real-life experiences of converting grief into growth. I wanted to take some time to share my gratitude to everyone who has supported me along the way. Thank you to my guests who have shown up and allowed me to delve into their personal experiences of grief, growth, and transformation. I appreciate your courage, authenticity, and openness in sharing your stories. I have learned so much from each of you. Thank you to my editors and producers, the Pod2Go team and Chad Nedland, who have helped take a tremendous load off my shoulders and kept me going as a podcaster. Their support has allowed me to do what I do best, connecting with others and taking a deep exploratory dive into grief experiences showcasing not only how unique an individual grief is, but also how we can convert our grief into growth and goodness. And thank you to my listeners and audience. Our stories are meant to be shared, and without people like you to receive our stories, it can be tougher to express them. Most of all, I want to thank my amazing husband and kids for always supporting me and encouraging me in the work that I do. They have been incredible about keeping noise levels to a minimum while I'm recording. Not always an easy feat. And they are amazing listeners when I give them the lows and highs of my experiences, from individual episodes to the process as a whole. Because of some major changes in my personal life, I have been dedicating my time, attention, and resources to my home and family. As a result, starting in September, I will be taking a sabbatical from releasing new content for the Share Your Story podcast. In the interim, check out or revisit previously published episodes. Our grief changes with time, as do the circumstances of our lives. What may not have seemed pertinent before could jump out at you in a whole new way. A major component in converting grief into growth is to always be open to the lessons it has to teach you. Remember that all of our experiences make us who we are. They are perfectly tailored to help us become the best versions of ourselves and to help us reach our fullest potential. You can turn your grief into growth. You are known and loved in more ways than you could ever imagine. Your voice matters. So share your story 